Uh, last year, there was an initiative put together by SACPA, as well as the University of Lethbridge, the Lethbridge Public Interest Research Group, and the University of Lethbridge Students Union to bring speakers and to empower students to speak on campus at the University of Lethbridge. This group has been quite successful. We've had a few speakers come to the University of Lethbridge and students come out to attend SACPA speakers that they normally bring to this location, but we've moved it to the other side of the river. And um, we've also had our second annual Student Speakers Challenge, which has invited students to think of creative content to answer a question that deals with a big picture issue that we see facing the world today. So the question that was posed to our students this year was, post-secondary education, how will it benefit today's world? And that is the question the two speakers will be presenting today to you guys. So um, the session is being recorded, just to remind you guys. I'm sure that everyone here knows that already. And, um, of course, the lunch is $10 donation, and you just put it in the basket on the table, and someone will come around and collect that later on, right before we start eating. Uh, just to let you guys know a little bit about SACPA, it is a volunteer nonprofit organization, and it relies on the contributions of members and session attendees to consider its work. And, of course, you can become a SACPA member, and I'm sure that membership information is available just outside the doors, or you could talk to one of the lovely SACPA board members who are here today. My name is Jen Prosser, and I'll be the moderator for today. So if you see me, I'll be up here uh, hope, hopefully not cutting anyone off at their preambles during the question period and hopefully just letting things run very smoothly. And I'd like to thank our partners for today, which is, of course, the University of Lethbridge, uh, Country Kitchen, Kitchen Catering, and the University of Lethbridge Students Union and the Lethbridge Public Interest Research Group. Our, um, our two speakers today are Kate Nesbitt and Keith McLaughlin. They are two students at the University of Lethbridge, and they are the two finalists for the Student Speakers Challenge, and they're going to be coming up and speaking. But just to let you guys know that we've had other amazing speakers during the Speakers Challenge and students who've come forward with incredible original content to answer this question on how post-secondary education benefits today's world. Our other speakers, who aren't all present today, but there are some present, so Celine Bilgen, James Falconer, Cash Erskine, Vanessa Lodemeyer, Keith Gardner, uh, Sakat Basu, and of course Kate Nesbitt and Keith McLaughlin. And they've all done an amazing, amazing job. So I think even though we don't have all the speakers here today, maybe we can give them a round of applause for their work. Thank you. So the format today is quite similar. It's going to be a 30-minute presentation, 15 minutes for each speaker, both Keith and Kate. We'll break for lunch and discussion, and then we'll come back and have a 30-minute question period. The question period will be directed at both speakers, so um, they'll both be up here, and how it will work is that if you have a question, you can come up to the mic, of course. Please limit your preambles out of respect to the speakers and to your uh, fellow, fellow um, diners, because I'm sure they have questions as well. And uh, you can direct it to one of the speakers or a general question to both of the speakers. The speakers will then have the opportunity to debate the other speaker on their, their, um, their answers, so it could turn into quite a lively conversation. And uh, we will continue on from there. And of course, I will make sure that everything continues to run timely. Uh, I think that is all that I need to say. If there's anything else, then I'm sure someone will remind me. And we're going to start with our first speaker, which is Kate. So please join me in welcoming her. Thank you. First of all, thank you all for coming today. Curious young guns talk. Um, the value of post-secondary education. When one initially considers this, usually they think of the market values. So increased chance of attaining a job, decreased chance of unemployment, 
as well as higher earning, annual earnings, but there's much more to this value. The great, an old English philosopher named Herbert Spencer once said the great value of education is, sorry, the great aim of education is not knowledge, but action. This signifies the value of post-secondary education and that it recognizes that there is more to our years here than the accumulation of facts. Though this isn't to understate knowledge, knowledge is the key component and the backbone of education. We need to know things in order to be aware, but in order to be of value, knowledge must be utilized. Knowing is not enough. If we fail to act based on our knowledge, we are only perpetuating problems. This is the real value of post-secondary education. It provides the fundamental necessities one needs in order to initiate positive action. It's an atmosphere that provides knowledge, support and opposition, leadership, and experience. To start off knowledge, post-secondary education is a forum for the exchange of knowledge and ideas. And so, the social interaction that takes place is an avenue for learning and the overall creation of knowledge. Students become more aware and informed of the issues and concerns facing our world, more cognizant of the reforms necessary. Therefore, they're more apt to take part in the problem-solving process. Many studies have shown this. The Bureau of Labor Statistics showed that post-secondary graduates were more likely to volunteer. And the University of Texas in Austin did a study on political participation considering the working youth compared to those in colleges and universities. And they looked at several factors, um, frequency of voting, whether they had ever protested or demonstrated, if they were part of a political organization or had ever contacted a public official. And in all of these categories, post-secondary students had higher involvement. This forum for the exchange of knowledge is enhanced by the diversity present. People from all walks of life are under one roof. Therefore, students are, converse, sorry, um, students are confronted with diversity every day. Race, religion, gender, socioeconomic status, culture. Therefore, we are not only presented with the issues we face, but a broad range of perspectives on these issues. In order to understand global issues, we need to understand our global community. This isn't to say one must agree with the beliefs and values of others, but it is necessary in order to initiate change for ourselves as well as those around the world. Robert Hutchins, an uh, educational philosopher, once said, a liberal education frees a person from the prison house of his class, race, time, place, background, family, and even his nation. This describes how post-secondary students gain the ability to, to strive for change regardless of individual ties. We need to recognize our neighbors are those around the world, or like rivers are all connected by oceans, we are all connected. The second value, or second necessity, sorry, is support and opposition. Peers surround us in post-secondary institutions. You will always find those who will support your ideas, those who encourage you and collaborate with you, provide a united front behind your theories. But where ideas flow, you'll also find opposition, those that disagree with your theories and provide challenge and resistance to this front. This combination of support and opposition is needed, though, in order to succeed in initiating change causes you to delve deeper into your reasonings and show confidence in your theories. This interaction has, or this, sorry, this combination has been recognized for years, feared in fact. For example, Hitler did not only restrict the freedom of speech, but the freedom of assembly and association. 
Taliban have restricted women's education. It's this interaction, this atmosphere of interaction that is feared and recognized as it allows active minds to congregate and feed off one another and support and oppose each other, therefore increasing and enhancing each other's theories and therefore strengthening one's stance in order to initiate change. The third necessity is leadership. Quality leadership is needed at all levels. At post-secondary institutions, we are surrounded, rich in this aspect. In an environment where people are learning and researching topics that they are passionate about, you can't help but be engaged and enthused by this. Um, you might not understand it. Saying my roommate sits in a lab with fish and invertebrates all day, and she comes home not smelling very well, but she loves it. And as long as she showers, I'm a-okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's <laughs> with this. It's these kind of people, though, that even if you don't understand, they inspire you to find your own passion and reach your goals in that aspect. These leaders not only inspire you, but they provide the necessary the necessities to challenge you and they answer the need to ask the hard questions, providing further insight. They promote critical thinking for encouraging us to explain and analyze, evaluate and restructure our thinking, as well as identify propaganda and prejudice, bias and misinformation. And this role of leaders is especially critical in our society today where most of our information is given to us in 30-second ads, and bias does exist in every media outlet. We need to be able to recognize and evaluate this information. I said this is my own MasterCard commercial. Tuition, $5,000. Textbooks, $1,000. Opportunity cost of sleep, $500. Quality of leadership, priceless. My fourth necessity is experience. In order to execute a plan, one needs practical experience. Knowledge is increased, knowledge is accompanied in the classroom by practice, debates, speeches, discussions, as well as field courses and conferences. Um, sorry, this is what sets, sets students apart, for even if we have a voice, we need to know how to be heard. It's not only the aim of professors to give us this experience, but post-secondary institutions themselves. Activism is in the very vision and philosophy of many institutions and a proud part of their history. In the 60s, it's the universities. They're proud for being the ones to start the demonstrations on the war in Vietnam. At the UofL, we just had peak week looking at concer oil concerns. We had demonstrations against homelessness and we have had the white ribbon campaign against male violence. Post-secondary institutions not only give us the power to the chance to question, but the power to challenge. Now to look at the question of different institutions and if they can give us these necessities. For example, high school or the workplace. If you look at high school, the key difference is the mode of education. We are taught what is already known. Whereas in post-secondary institutions, critical and analytical thinking are focused on and we expand and speculate on what is already known. We also have increased diversity, therefore expanding our perspectives and knowledge. And we have increased academic competition, therefore increasing students' achievements. Our leaders will be there though, even though it's much more self-reliant, our leaders are there in order to encourage us to climb those high mountains and they will be there when we fall in order to help us find a different route up. 
And this is the difference between a workplace, I find. And there's little reward in the corporate corporation for taking risks, strategic thinking, and failing at bold attempts. And this is the difference between institutions. Now to consider my broad term of positive action, or I do identify that this is a broad term, but one must consider the variety and depth of students at these institutions. And this is what leads to the diversity in pursuits. Um, I'm an environmentalist, and I hope to inspire people to reduce their impact. But there are those interested in health sciences who may look at the effectiveness of cancer treatments. Those in management look to help those that are underprivileged create small businesses. Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Passion is motivation. One needs to use their passions and interests in order to spur them, propel them towards the change that they aspire to create. Any change that increases our standard of living is a positive action. My last thing to consider is the effectiveness of, or effectiveness of acquiring these necessities. Does everyone acquire the ability to create positive action, especially to the same extent? And the answer is no. We all have different experiences. We all come out with different goals and aims, and we all, not all of us recognize the value of creating positive action. But through the spectrum, there are those on each end, and those that do recognize this have already taken a moral responsibility to kind of show the, this value to the rest of us. I went to our graduation gala last weekend. The Dean of Management he first talked and he instilled in us the responsibility we need to feel in giving back to our community for we are lucky to ha live in the place we do and have this great education and we need to recognize that we need to give back for this. Um, then we had Andrew Hewitt who was actually a University of Lethbridge graduate and he wrote the book The Power of Focus for College Students and he really instilled the aspect of experience in post-secondary institute or education. It's not all about textbooks and gaining those grades. You need to take those passions and your interests and use that with the experience you gain in order to create change and be successful in our world. Um, as well, the university has started a program called Supporting Our Students, recognizing that affordability is a key concern. And their goal was $20,000, and they are, have almost doubled it. People do realize that accessibility is key and quality is key in our situation. We are the leaders of tomorrow. And as Bill Cade, our former president, said, um, sorry, said, we have the vision, experience, and ability to positively, positively affect today, tomorrow, and the decades to come. Knowledge, support and opposition, leadership, experience. It's these necessities that allow post-secondary graduates to create positive action this positive action that is of value to our world. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. We will now welcome Keith McLaughlin up to give his presentation. Uh, hello, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Um, so I'm here to speak today about the value of post-secondary education. And my apologies to those of you who are here to talk about Afghanistan. I understand there was a bit of confusion. 
I'd be happy to talk about and discuss Afghanistan perhaps in the question period, and I'll see if I can slip a little bit in during this speech, just so everyone gets a little bit. Nevertheless, I'm very grateful to be here today, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy um, what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm here to talk about the value of post-secondary education to our world. Now, um, I have to start with a degree of context. Um, I actually believe that our contemporary societies, especially our Western societies, are actually ailing. Uh, they are not healthy as they should be or could be. And I believe that post-secondary education can serve a fundamental role in healing this, uh, this uh, sort of ailment that we have in our societies through the development of critical thinking skills and by fostering a reconnection with our communities and the humanitarian ideal. So, especially North American society right now, I think suffers primarily from two very real and two very severe afflictions. We as individuals lack critical thinking skills, and we stand disconnected from our communities. Um, we are consumed um, on a daily basis by advertising stimuli and bombarded by media messages. And we kind of accept these messages and the notions contained with them as truth, um, and we don't question the messages at all. We, we kind of accept what we see, accept what we read, accept what we hear, and believe them to be accurate reflections of our social, political, and economic realities. Now, I believe we need to start questioning these messages more critically and evaluating them more critically on an individual level. Um, I believe right now, uh, more and more, we are conditioned deliberately not to question these sorts of messages. And I believe this restricts our potential, our future potential, and it indeed in, uh, restricts our future possibilities. So the dynamic at play here with a lack of critical thinking skills creates a society whose uh, development has become arrested. Um, often, as value surveys show, we hold up, uh, many of us, contradictory notions and values and beliefs in our heads at the same time. Um, the effects of that can be quite severe. But I believe that critical thinking skills can be fostered by post-secondary education. And I believe the positive effects of developing these skills are numerous and actually can be quite profound in uh, making our societies better. And the second ailment, what I was talking about, is our disconnect from our communities and our, our, our emphasis on this Western notion of individualism, which I think has really served to corrupt us in a lot of ways and make us um, too self-centered, too egocentric. And also it affects us, it believes, makes us believe that we can't affect our communities, that we are powerless in that, in that regard. And um, on the individual level, I believe this actually creates, especially in young people, a sort of spiritual bleakness that permeates throughout a person because they don't feel like they can affect change and they don't feel like they can make a difference. So especially young people have become closer in terms of communicating with uh, the advent of internet networking sites such as these Facebook and Twitter sites. But we've seen studies that show that these people are actually unhappier, have lower self-esteem, and actually don't connect with their wider communities as much as they would. So we have lost a degree our sense of community and our sense of belonging as individuals. And by extension, our communities have lost a sense of common purpose. Now, post-secondary education is crucial to remedying this problem as well. University-level education incorporates individuals into a vibrant and robust community, and it provides ample opportunities for individuals to affect and shape that community. It demonstrates to individuals that they can be a part of something bigger than themselves and that they can um, affect change, that their actions do matter. And there's a profound sense of pride that comes from that. Um, I, I do believe people want to help each other. I don't believe 
our individualism right now, which permeates throughout our society, um, emphasizes um, self-interest and I think plays to the human instinct of greed. Um, I think greed is not our is not our prevailing human instinct. At least I hope not. I hope that um, helping each other, being a community, looking out for one each other, having empathy, um, trumps that greed instinct that we have. Now, getting back to the lack of critical thinking, uh, it's a fundamental problem, I believe, that's plaguing our society. Um, on the individual level, again, we don't, we hold in our heads sometimes conflicting notions. For instance, we want more and better social services like health care and education. But we also um, demonstrate in value surveys that they, we want lower and lower taxes. Um, you know, we don't often reconcile these things that our taxes pay for these sorts of programs. And the same thing happens when we talk about the environment and the economy. Um, we aren't willing to sacrifice economic growth to protect the environment, even though we often say that we care deeply about the environment. Or we want to alleviate rampant inequality in our nation and in other nations around the world. But we don't often talk about the structural root of these problems. We, we, um, and we don't get riled, actually, when, say, our federal government cuts the social programs. And the first ones to always get cut are the ones for the, for the most needy. Or when it freezes foreign aid or cuts foreign aid or things like that. So I believe we must critically start, begin to critically evaluate ourselves and our own individual beliefs and thought processes if we are going to, again, become a, a society that is capable of progressing as a community. Um, part of the reason why, or part of the reason why this is such a problem on the individual level is because it transcends and makes it a community problem as well, the lack of critical thinking. I believe our political, corporate, and media elites um, know we think like this. And they prey upon us for us, manipulating our conflicting values about ourselves and about what we believe and what we think our country should be. And they uh, use it against us and manipulate us to their own end, using misinformation. And so our important interactions, our, our defining debates of our time, either don't happen or become um, trivialized and cheapened because we are manipulated with uh, misinformation because, again, we don't have a consistent process of our thought patterns. Um, let's see here. The good thing here is that the university setting can compel students to critically think and to be reasoned, researched, and rational in their assertions. Like, let's take Afghanistan, for, for instance. Um, uh, we never, I, I, I don't know if anybody else agrees with this, but I don't think we ever had a national debate about this issue, truly. Um, in 2008, I believe, six months before Stephen Harper took us to an election, he took the issue right off the table, saying that we, will, we are going to leave in 2011 no matter what. I think that was a political move, obviously. Um, we, d we don't have a debate about this issue. Um, like, let's look at it. Our troops, by and large, who are over there, believe in what they're doing. A large portion of Canadians believe in what they're doing. Um, it's a very complex issue. The NATO strategy isn't exactly effective. Um, but we haven't had this debate as to why we're over there or why we should continue. Um, do we want to bring our troops home or do we want to still fight for women and girls to go to school in Afghanistan? We didn't have this debate. And I think it's because, again, it was a top-down maneuver not to have this debate. And 
I think if we were more critically inclined, we would demand that we had this debate so we would have a unified response and more of a, more of a cohesive uh, societal idea of what we are doing in Afghanistan. Another thing we can look at is, say, the, bed, the budgets that were released the past month by both the federal and provincial governments, uh, both dealing with um, high budget deficits. Now, when they talk about these budget deficits, they're talking about spending problems at both the national and provincial level. Um, okay, but what we don't talk about, actually, is where these deficits come from. Bo uh, the recession is blamed in both, case, both cases. But in Alberta, we take in the lowest taxes by far in the country. Quebec takes in $18 billion more a year. Now we can increase our taxes by $10 billion, take more in, $10 billion a year more in, and still have the lowest tax rate in the country. There would be no deficit here, no reason to cut any programs, no reason to have anxiety over health care, no reason to cut post-secondary education. And the same at the federal level. We have a 56, well now it's a $54 billion deficit just announced last week. Now, okay, and they say it's the recession again. And they say that Stephen Harper says they're going to virtually eliminate the deficit by 2015, relying on economic growth. That's not going to happen, by the way. And um, cutbacks to um, spending efficiencies. You know, we're going to... Okay. Okay, whatever. Now, the economic growth thing isn't going to happen. You're not going to make up that much money. Um, the independent experts, such as the parliamentary budget officer, already said that's not going to happen. Um, so let's look at this. He, he says that there, we're still going to have a $20 billion deficit by 2013, and it's not going to get wiped out by 2015, unless, unless the Conservatives, who will not raise taxes, cut um, uh, crucial areas like health care, like pensions, like uh, transfers to the province. Now, so this is caused by the recession, supposedly, and, 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 and we're spending too much, supposedly. Well, let's look at that, too. Um, Corporate tax cuts that the Conservative announced, announced in 2008 and will continue until 2013 amount to $60 billion. Our deficit is $54 billion. We will have the lowest corporate tax break or corpus tax rate in all the industrialized nations, lower than that of the United States even. Now, how about we talk about if we perhaps tax the corporations just like the United States does, kept that $60 billion in the government coffers and then didn't have to have anxiety over health care, seniors' pensions, or transfers to the province at the federal level. Maybe, I'm just saying let's talk about it, all right? But we don't talk about it, and that's what's problematic in our society, and I think we need to demand that. So the university-level education promotes critical thinking in two ways. Your professors challenge you. They challenge you to be researched and reasoned in your assertions. And even more so, I would say the diverse groups of people around you that offer up differing perspectives from differing backgrounds um, actually compel you to think more empathetically, which is a central component of critical thinking. And that translates into community awareness as well. I have a quote here from an academic from the United States. Uh, she's a professor of education named uh, Linda Elder. And she says, people who think critically consistently attempt to find or to live rationally, reasonably, and empathetically. They are keenly aware of the inherent flawed nature of human thinking when left unchecked. They strive to diminish the power of their egocentric and sociocentric think tendencies. They use the intellectual tools that critical thinking offers, concepts and principles that enable them to analyze, assess, and improve thinking. They work diligently to develop the intellectual virtues of intellectual integrity, intellectual humility, intellectual civility, intellectual empathy, 
intellectual sense of justice, and confidence in reason. I believe if more people thought with, that, with these skills, if we all thought more of these skills, we would be a more cohesive community. That could be that we can disagree with each other, but we would disagree with each other in a rational, respectful way, and we would actually debate the hearts of these issues and not believe the media messages that come from down from the top onto us and, and contribute to our conflicting beliefs in our heads. Now, the other issue what I was talking about is our disconnect, our disconnect from our sense of community. This is really a, pe a real problem with young people. Um, again, individualism, we value the self more than the wider community in our society, and it's, a, and it's appeal to self-interest. And this is not empowering. This is not. Individualism, the way it's, it's, it's happened in, in, in this generation, is not empowering at all. Uh, young people especially feel disaffected, disillusioned, um, it's, 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 and, it's, and it's a result of this sort of philosophical doctrine that's been shoved down our throats since the day we were born. <clears throat> I believe it's why we don't vote in the same numbers that we used to. Uh, I believe it's why we're collectively unhappier than we were 30 years ago as a population. And I believe, actually, it's this disconnect with our communities that makes our societies much more susceptible to suicide than any other societies across the world. So I do believe that a spiritual bleakness is permeating throughout the individual in our time. And that's because we are unsure about what we value because we don't identify with our wider community. And uh, many young among us become apathetic because we feel disaffected. And now this is a symptom of a highly fa fractionalized sense of community. Now universities provide the opportunities to engage, shape, and affect communities. And we are beckoned to do these things at universities because the people in the community there are robust and vibrant, so it compels participation. You get pulled into it. Human beings want to participate with each other. They, they don't exactly just want to go out and do it all by themselves. So I believe, you know, post-secondary education molds sharper minds and shapes better citizens, citizens who are community-oriented individuals. We know university does this. Um, grads are better informed more likely to vote and volunteer and be members and leaders in their communities. And most importantly, they're, they're more aware of the latent power of a common purpose and of a strong community. Um, I know university does this as well. When I first arrived at university, I held dogmatic predispositions and assumptions that made me hostile to not just opposing views, but research and reason that conflicted with my own predispositions. And it took some time for my professors to break down these predispositions and impress upon me the importance of research and hard work and things like that, and fair-mindedness, not, you know, insulting your opponent when they disagree with you or something like that. It's true. It's, it's, it's part of it. And it also took me a while to develop intellectual empathy and respect um, from my interaction with, and that came from my interaction with different people. Um, Interacting with people from different backgrounds, they have different perceptions and different beliefs. These will teach you intellectual empathy and respect, and these are required aspects to be able to make critical thinking constructive. And it also took time before my cynicism surrounding the effectiveness of communities in bringing about change subsided. It was the people in the community organizations around the University of Lethbridge who sort of freed me of my disillusion and, disillusionment and, uh, and um, cynicism, really. Um, surrounding the ability of communities. By witnessing the energy, the drive, the perseverance and determination of people around me, 
I, I saw how people, how communities can function, but they require people, committed people, in them to do that. So I believe PS, post-secondary education empowers people with critical thought and the knowledge that their actions within their community matter and can make a difference. So what is post-secondary education's value to the world? That was our question we were, me and Kate were both uh, talking about. And, well, I would argue that this is kind of more of a talk about how it can better our society. But, and I would argue to the world that we can't intend to shape our, uh, our wider world until we fix our own backyard. Um, I don't think we can participate meaningfully as Canadians on any international level on, say, a climate change conference or a women's rights summit or, or any of these things unless we have an intelligible debate at home about these same issues. And, and we don't do that at the moment. So I, I think the value of post-secondary education today is, is it would be a better tomorrow for all of us. Because if our society is more compelled to question, more inclined to informed and intelligible debate, our leaders and elites will have to deliver on par. Because we would demand it. And if more of our citizens, citizens excuse me, can come to realize the power of their communities, the comfort in a sense of belonging, and the latent humanity contained within pursuing a common purpose, then we as Canadians could begin to export innovative, val innovative values and innovative ideas to the world once again. Thank you.